Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton. Joining me today, my friend, my neighbor, my colleague, my op, as it were, sometimes. It is Tuesday, July 11th, and this is an off-rhythm podcast because we have breaking news today. The Williams Formula One team has announced that they will be wearing a golf-themed livery for three races later this season. I'm joking. That's not why we're here. Mr. Daly, the news broke today. Nick DeVries has been axed by Alpha Terry. Daniel Ricciardo is back in a Formula One seat, effective immediately. What were your initial thoughts when you saw this story pop up on your social media feed? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that it happened. I'm just kind of, I was not expecting it to happen as soon as I, as it did. I mean, Red Bull in general has uh, a history of pulling the plug on drivers when they get to a certain point, but wow, I didn't think it was literally going to happen a day or two after the British Grand Prix. But Mark, when you look at it, there's only one person that has scored less points than Nick DeFries in Formula One this year, and that is his replacement, Danny Ricardo, who has also scored a grand total of zero points. Oh, that's low. <laughs> yeah, but also Logan Sargent hasn't scored any points yet as well either. So, But uh, yeah, poor old Nick. Poor old Nick uh, just uh, didn't even make it till the summer break before he got the carpet pulled out from, from underneath him. So let's back this train up a little bit because I think yes. it's, it's worth having a little bit of context. And obviously, Nick DeVries was something of a, a stunner when he was signed to Alpha Tauri in the offseason. Of course, last year as a 27-year-old, having won the F2 championship in 2019, having won the Formula E championship in 2021, he had an opportunity to drive as a replacement driver for Williams at Monza. He put in a P10 performance, managed to score a point. Of course, that's a track that's particularly well-suited to the very slippery Williams car and again he was full value for that race victory ultimately Helmut Marco campaigned heavily within the Red Bull organization to give him the ride after Colton Herta fell through like let's be clear Colton Herta was always their target he didn't have the super license points and we talked a lot about that last year Nick DeVries lands the role at this team and I think a lot of people were expecting that he was going to potentially as a 27 year old now a 28 year old he was going to run circles around Yuki this year but if you look at their head-to-head performance Yuki's been in the points a couple of times. Nick hasn't been close to the points. If you look at qualifying performances, Yuki's been into Q3 a couple of times, whereas Nick DeVries, his best qualifying performances four times he's been into Q2. He simply hasn't been a match for Yuki, that Yuki has been the dominant driver there. And now we're sitting here not even halfway through the season and, and he's out of a job. And like you said, I think offline, you and I had speculated that, look, it's probably going to happen, but it's probably going to happen at the summer break. But we're sitting here and we find out today it's effective 
immediately. Daniel Ricardo did the tire test today. Lawrence Bredo is reporting that some sources suggesting that the times he was putting in at Silverstone doing that Pirelli tire test with the 2023 Red Bull car would have put him on the front row for the Grand Prix last weekend. So so impressive performance there. But uh, again, yeah, eight, nine races into the season, Nick DeVries is done, and that will probably mark the end of his very short Formula One career. Yeah, sadly, that's probably going to be the case, right? I mean, I'm I'm looking at his stats this year compared to, to Yuki head-to-head, at least in, uh, in uh, where they finished in the race classifications. So Yuki's been kind of banging on the door of the points, well, not in the last couple of races, but he started out uh, pretty good. He got uh, scored points in August. Austria and in Azerbaijan and then the last couple of races I mean Yuki hasn't been really setting the world on fire either he had a 19th in Austria and a 16th in uh, at Silverstone this uh, past weekend but the closest Nick got to the points was a 12th in Monaco and from there it was a 14th in Spain and 18th in Canada and then Follows up with a pair of P-17s in Austria and Great Britain respectively but uh, like you say I mean he was supposed to be even though you know, he wasn't their target like Colton Herta was. You you said it so nicely that he was supposed to drive circles around uh, Yuki and it's been the other way around because being 28, 27 years old, whatever Nick is, that, uh, you know, he should have the experience as a racing driver that the racecraft is already there. And if, um, you know, like you say, if he's setting the times that would have put him on the top, you know, you know, potentially on the front row at the British Grand Prix this last weekend... He's got his mind around the car. He's he he knows what the car can do. So where was where was the problem? But slowly he did, you know. I don't want to say he got off to a good start, but I mean, he did really start that great. But the results haven't improved and have steadily worsened as we've gone through the first ten races of the year. Crazy. It was an interesting decision, right? That I think obviously if Red Bull had their choice, they would have had Colton Herta in the car. And and I, I think in a lot of ways, and Mark Hughes wrote this at the race.com today, that ultimately Nick was a bit of an impulsive decision that he'd been widely overlooked by all of these other Formula One teams. Because again, he won the F2 championship in 2019, that year that was, uh, I guess, Lance, I guess Nicholas Latifi's last year. And that was a very actually weak year for Formula Two, but he was overlooked in 2021 and 22. But for whatever reason, based really on one performance at Monza, Helmut Marko was able to persuade Christian Horner to make this decision. And now we are here halfway through the season and he's gone. And it starts to ask some really challenging questions about what's going on in the state of Denmark. What's going on in the state of Red Bull? Because they have this much vaunted, this much much publicized driver development program. And of course, the crown jewel of that is is Alpha Tauri. And of course, you and I talked about the fact that they had to go outside of the academy for Sergio Perez a couple of years ago. And then they had to go outside of the academy for, for Nick DeVries. And then we're sitting here all of a sudden, and in the last seven years... Alpha Tauri slash Red Bull have dropped or swapped drivers four times, a remarkable four times. And this really speaks to the lack of production that the Red Bull Academy is having in terms of developing young drivers that they keep having to go outside the academy. And like, what is the point of having that academy and all the resources and all the riches and owning the Red Bull ring and owning these junior teams, et cetera, et cetera, if you can't produce talent? And I think that ultimately this could be this could be the the nail in the coffin for Helmut Marco. Obviously, from an age perspective, he's getting up there and might be looking at retirement anyways. But I think a lot of pundits and analysts question what he's contributing to that 
organization. Of course, his role is driver development. He's clearly not doing that. He had tagged, he was the one that tagged Nick DeVries for this role. That didn't work out. And now they just fortunately were in a situation where they happen to have an established Formula One driver on the roster as a test driver at Red Bull that they can slot in behind him. So I think my biggest questions are like, what, what is going on with that academy? Um, what is going on with the decision-making with this team? Of course, Pierre Gasly left, and I think that was because he wasn't going to get a ride at Red Bull. Carlos Sainz departed. Daniel Ricciardo departed because of his relationship with Max Verstappen in the front office at Milton Keynes. Alex Albon was exited after his short term. I guess he had a year and a half with Red Bull, but now he's seen as one of the, the shining young prospects all over the sport, and now they're going to rely back on Daniel Ricciardo, who, of course, exited the sport last year after unceremoniously having his contract with McLaren torn up. He's going to slot into that Alpha Tauri. So I think my concerns are what is going on with Red Bull, that this there's so much chaos and so much churn from a driver perspective. But having said all of that, my friend, what what do you think about Daniel Ricciardo, Honey Badger, the Honey Badger <laughs> returning to returning to F1? Well, I, I mean, it's great for him because, you know, I, I love Danny Ricciardo. I think that uh, you know, he's a great personality and he's had some great moments in Formula One. Let's not take anything away from him. He's won, what is six, seven races over the course of his career, something like that. And uh, he... He didn't have a great interlude at Renault, and he didn't have a good time at uh, at McLaren, apart from that one win at Monza a couple of uh, years ago. I mean, sorry, I was just looking at his stats here. Eight uh, wins, 32 podiums, 1,300 career points in Formula One, uh, three poles, th- or 16 fastest laps. So, I mean, it's, I mean... He's proven he can do it at the highest level, but I mean, it was it was interesting too when he decided in 2018, and I still remember I was on holiday and uh, I remember going out front of the hotel and I was just and and this is before the advent of doom scrolling. I was just scrolling through my timeline when I saw that famous, well, that now infamous, um, you know, post of Danny Ricardo saying that he was going to be leaving Red Bull, and we all kind of questioned the wisdom in that, you know, considering that it wasn't going to be a lateral move; it was a potential you know backwards move to, to to Renault and you know McLaren even though they've been up and coming just haven't been able to sort of pro- they couldn't propel him back to it and then there was also some questions about you know how good of like how good was he performing you know compared to some of the people he was driving with especially when he was uh, compared against uh, Lando Norris at uh, McLaren for a couple of years but anyhow he brings stability he brings experience and um, you know I, I know that Lando and Carlos had a a bit of a bromance at uh, McLaren a couple of years ago, but I'm kind of looking forward to the bromance of Yuki Sonoda and Danny Ricardo. I think those two are going to get uh, on like a house on fire, but uh, I think that, um, you know, Daniel's ex- eccentricities and flamboyant personality aside, I think that this makes a lot of sense because they obviously have some interest in keeping Yuki Sonoda around. I, I think that, you know, I, I still think Yuki Sonoda is a diamond in the rough. You know, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think a lot of that potential is down to what's going on inside of Yuki's own head and also experience as well, because Yuki Sonoda is still a fairly young, young driver. So I see a lot of upsides of bringing uh, Danny Ricardo back. But, um, you know, perhaps they're they're kind of thinking the same sort of thing as well that Haas were thinking in, in, in bringing back uh, you know, Kevin Magnussen and uh, Nico Hulkenberg and experience drivers that in the hands of um, you know the, the the right person that this car which is a, a middle of the grid kind of car can still score some points uh, here and there but you know to kind of wrap this one up it it still doesn't address the larger pictures of the the ongoing 
you know, merry-go-round of drivers in and out at Red Bull and Alpha Tauri, just system-wide. And, and this is nothing new. This goes back to 2016 when it was uh, Danny Kvyat and Max Verstappen, you know, swapping places. I mean, ultimately, that was uh, proven correct. But, you know, Max is a generational talent. I mean, there, there's no doubt that uh, that, that was... And, and we should maybe even have that discussion. Did... Were Red Bull fortunate to sign Max Verstappen to Alpha Tauri? Because if you go back to 2015, 2016, when Max was just a wee young lad, and I always kind of consider him to be the 16, 17 year old, no matter how old he gets, is that he was also talking to Mercedes at that time. And this is kind of like, you know, Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton era Mercedes. They were only willing to give him a reserve driver role. And, you know, Max. And, you know, probably Yoss, his dad, you know, they, they held out saying, no, you know, he's good enough to get into a car right now. But, you know, come on, let's be honest. I mean, not even Max Verstappen, especially at that point in his career, was going to take a seat away from from one of those two drivers at uh, at Mercedes. I mean, both were, you know, Lewis at that point, multiple world champion. Nico was knocking on the door of a world championship and Max just hadn't proven it. But, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I think they were fortunate to land Max Verstappen. So I think, like you say, with all the other reasons that you listed uh, just to, in point form just now, that, that Red Bull have some serious self-reflection to do when it comes to their whole driver program because it's just not getting it done. <laughs> Daily, you make you make such a great point with that Max Verstappen piece. And of course, he came on with Toro Rosso, now Alpha Tauri in 2015, and he graduated to the senior program in 2016. But aside from him, what have they accomplished with that with that driver program? You, you know what I mean? Like, there's been a lot of people that have come through it, and they've exited the organization and found seats in Formula E and, and touring and with some of these other Formula One teams. But they've, aside from Max, they've graduated nobody else to that, that senior team that's been successful. And, of course, they graduated Daniel Ricciardo there, but due to a disagreement with Christian Horner and his dislike of being... Uh, I don't know, position next to Max Verstappen, he ultimately exited for, like you said, a, a lower caliber team on the Formula One grid in, in Renault Alpine. And and it, it makes me wonder too, because a couple of months ago, Franz Toss, current team principal at, at Alpha Tauri, made this comment that, look, young drivers need multiple years at Formula One to cut their teeth. And of course, Yuki's had the benefit of that. He's now in his third year. Nick DeVries isn't going to get that. Maybe that's because he's 28. If you look at the grid, he's older than Max. He's older than Lando. He's older than Lance. He's older than Charles. He's older than Yuki. Like He's a much, much older driver. And maybe that's why they weren't willing to give him any additional time. But you also have to consider the fact that Alpha Tauri is going through something of a transformation that, that of course, France Tost is on his way out. And Peter Bayer is coming in at the CE as the CEO at the end of the year. Laurent Mekis is coming in as team principal to replace to replace. Uh, France Toss. So there's some pieces at play here. But I think the question I put to you is, what is the ultimate calculus here? That I think the short-term move is you have Nick DeVries, who isn't performing at the level that they expect, and they believe he's being outperformed by Yuki and that there's more in the car that we're not seeing because of Nick's performance, and they're putting Daniel in. But what is the ultimate calculus here? Is the ultimate calculus, hey, if we start thinking 40 chest and thinking two or three or four steps down the road, you and I talked an awful lot on Sunday about the future of Sergio Perez and maybe the calculus is look we put Daniel Ricardo in the Alpha Tauri 
if he performs well, we can consider him as a replacement potentially for Sergio Perez at the senior team. Maybe Yuki outperforms him and Yuki becomes the option for the senior team. Like, what do you see? And again, this is purely speculation. Yeah. But how do you see this playing out over the next three to six months? Yeah, that's a great point. That could be a conditioning stint for 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 Danny Ricardo as much as he, uh, you know, the, the benefits of having him Alpha Tauri just to to get that uh, team refocused and be there to, you know, to, even to help Yuki out is maybe they're, they're keeping their options open. So, Sergio Perez maybe today is breathing a, a sigh of relief that the notification that just popped up on his phone isn't the, the you know the the one coming from Helmut Marco saying you're out, but it's actually just the notification that his Uber e- <laughs> his Uber Eats delivery just arrived is on, on his doorstep. But you know if if you're Sergio Perez now, knowing the history of this team and knowing you haven't been cutting it for the past two months, that that drivers you know typically have a pretty short shelf life. Uh, within this organization from from top to bottom or side to side however you want to kind of structure this thing or see the the way that this kind of like you know is it a you know whatever like the org chart for the overall overarching Red Bull organization is you got to be that Sergio Perez thinking right now that I got to get my stuff together right now or else I'm next because Danny Ricardo, if he gets it together he gets up to speed he gets to, into peak race condition and he gets a, he hits a good run of form, and I can continue to struggle. Do I finish the year in a Red Bull? You know, the, I mean, it, it's it's not inconceivable. I mean, it would be highly un, uh, unorthodox. I mean, it's highly unorthodox, anyways, that this happens because Red Bull in general is the only team that is you know, at least in my memory, that uh, that does this or has done this multiple times in the course of a season, um, you know, when it comes down to just like driver performance. I mean, we've seen drivers replaced before because, <clears throat> excuse me, they've had a crash or they've been injured or more recently because they, they've had COVID. But I mean, the fact that this is like a recurring theme that we've seen multiple times within the Red Bull organization over the past, uh, you know, seven, eight years is, it, it, it's amazing. And, you know, <laughs> unless you're Max Verstappen, no one's safe. You know, nobody see you're you're getting voted off the island if you don't perform, right? I love that point too about Sergio Perez. That in, in the on the one hand, he's probably been waking up daily. Like, who cares how many reassurances Helmut Marco and Christian Horner give him? The reality is, they could make a they could make a pretty drastic, dramatic move at any at any moment. And and obviously, as we've seen over the last seven years, they've done it four times now. But you're right that Sergio Perez probably woke up to that notification today the same time that all of we did, and it was probably a, at first it was probably a big sigh of relief that okay, it's not my job. And then I think the reality probably starts dawning on him, which is, oh my God, this guy is literally in that car for no other reason than to come after my job. And when he was quoted today, Daniel Ricardo said exactly that. Like, look, I'm doing this because I want that Red Bull seat next year. He's very clear. So now Sergio Perez... He can't he can't be peaceful thinking that look it's Yuki and it's Nick DeVries like I've got a pretty I got a pretty pretty clear runway and my my future my destiny is my in my in my control like it's not his destiny is no longer in his control he can have a solid conclusion to the season but if Daniel or Yuki excel with Alpha Tauri and they bring that car to a place where I don't think any of us would have expected it to go why would you why would you continue to lean into Sergio Perez he's he's older than Daniel Ricardo he's not 
not originally part of the academy. Daniel Ricardo adds huge value to that organization from a marketing and a sponsorship perspective. And I should just add as well that, look, Nick DeVries is an awesome guy, a great guy. It's unfortunate his career is getting cut short. But the reality is he adds zero value to the sport from a, from a personality perspective and from a marketing perspective. I think sponsors and marketing teams are probably falling all over themselves right now because Daniel Ricardo is back once again. The only other comment that I would have too, and I, I should share this, is the good news through all of this is that we don't have to tolerate another Will Arnett, Daniel Ricardo race commentary. Those are done. Those are done. My friend, what would be, and it's super early now, but you and I have been so critical of that Alpha Tauri this year because the car has been so presumably bad. Maybe it hasn't been that bad. Maybe they just haven't had a really great driver in it. What do you expect, A, to see from Sergio Perez the rest of the year now that he's got all this additional pressure on him? And what do you expect to see from Yuki and Daniel Ricciardo? Well, I mean, the the, the fact that uh, Sergio said that they, they know what the issue is and they're going to work on it in the sim time this week. So, I mean, that's taken on more significance than it did even a couple of days ago when we sat down to do the, uh, the recap for the British Grand Prix. But, I mean, he literally can't put a wheel wrong now. I mean, it, it, it's funny, too, because we read that one article from Sam Cooper over at Planet F1 when he was just referring to some of the comments that Christian Horner said that we don't have any immediate plans to put Danny Ricardo into the, 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 the Red Bull. You know, but when you read between the lines, it's like, well, they're not just saying that they're not going to put him in the car. It's just like we're not planning on putting him in the car like today or tomorrow. And here we are two days later, literally. And and Danny Ricardo is back in the sport, albeit uh, with, uh, with with Alpha Tauri. So, I mean, Sergio has had a rough couple of months. He's had some, you know, some pretty poor qualifying sessions. And you, you look at it too, like, and granted that Max could single-handedly be leading the Constructors Championship uh, for, for Red Bull and Sergio could, you know, have scored zeros, goose eggs, the entire way so far, uh, and they'd, they'd still be leading the Constructors because of uh, Max has been so strong this year. It's just like th they should be dominating like Mercedes were from 2014 to 2020 when it was one twos podiums all the time and the times that they weren't on the podium or winning races were far and few between right and and and, and that's the thing that he hasn't been able to do he just hasn't been consistent because this is a great car <laughs> and Max Verstappen is a great driver doing great things in a great car so a good driver like Sergio Perez should be able to do some pretty impressive things as well and I mean he has but he's really lost the plot uh you know in the in the last uh, several races and I think the real low point you know that the trough of that wave has to be Monaco like not only did he crash but then the secrets of the underside of the floor of that Red Bull were laid bare for the entire Formula One world to see it's just like what are these guys doing <laughs> You know, doing different. What 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 is the design like? Is there some radical concept that all got exposed because of uh, Sergio's little indiscretion putting it into the, uh, the 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 barriers there? So, you know, it's he's he's in a tough spot, and you know, for for so many reasons that I've just outlined and you've outlined, and the only way that he digs himself out of it is by by performing by delivering for the team what that car is capable of but my big question now is what, what headspace is Sergio Perez in because on his day you know he can do it he can deliver the goods but he's really lost his mojo over the past what six eight weeks whatever it is going back to the middle of May 
and it it's it, it it's tough to turn it around once you kind of build up all that negative karma negative energy you know you get on that run of poor form it uh you know it's like trying to turn a battleship around it doesn't turn on a dime right the official statement from red bull and i should have read this from the top but the statement is daniel ricardo on loan to scuderia alpha tauri for remainder of 2023 season Following a strong performance in today's tire test at Silverstone, Daniel Ricciardo will be driving for Alpha Tauri with immediate effect, joining the Scuderia on loan from Oracle Red Bull Racing. Daniel will line up in Budapest for his first race. Oracle Red Bull Racing team principal and CEO Christian Horner said, It is great to see Daniel hasn't lost any form while away from racing and that the strides he has been making in his sim sessions translate on track. His times during the tire test were extremely competitive. It was a very impressive drive, and we are excited to see what the rest of the season brings for Daniel on loan at Scuderia Alpha Tauri. Commenting on his new role at Scuderia Alpha Tauri, Daniel said, I am stoked to be back on track with the Red Bull family. And I guess it's just going to be up to you and I to bring everyone along the storyline and share the narratives and, and question this journey for the next couple of months because it's going to be fascinating and it just adds more intrigue to a season that hasn't been super exciting because of what's been happening at the top. But now we have a couple of new storylines. How does Sergio Perez respond to this? How does Yuki respond? Yes, yes. But why does the news always has to revolve I know, around I know, I know. We're getting the hate <laughs> mail now. Um, and then ultimately, how's Daniel Ricardo going to settle into an alpha tower? And and is yeah. the car so bad that he's not going to be able to shine, or maybe there's something in that car that he's going to be able to unlock and earn his earn his way back to Milton Keynes and the senior Red Bull team for 2024. Yeah, and Mark, maybe just before we we wrap this one up and finish up this uh, emergency pod reaction show, I mean, you jokingly led off the show with the you know, the, the special livery that Williams is going to uh, be running for the next couple of races. Oh my God, that looks fantastic. That that powder blue and that orange, the golf colors, it looks fantastic. And 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 this is just after the uh, after this last weekend when they ran that special livery for their 800th uh, Grand Prix at Silverstone with that stylized Union Jack on the on the back of the the airbox on the car. You know, and, and Alex Albon had a great weekend. He, he brought some points home. He was good in qualifying. There's some good things happening there finally. And uh, and uh, th- that that uh, you know, I mean, ultimately. If the, the car is terrible and you don't get any points then who cares what the car looks like livery wise but for me it gets an 11 out of 10 i think it looks fantastic so you know gotta throw it in there i love it and we'll talk more about that on our friday show so with that i think we can wrap this up mr daly i think we came in hoping to kind of tackle this in five minutes but i think we had a, a pretty meaty conversation for 20 odd minutes here so to everyone listening at home thanks for tuning into this emergency episode of the Skidaria F1 podcast we'll be back with our normal show on Friday we are going to bump the Matt Clark interview from midweek until the weekend so expect that to drop probably Sunday maybe Monday and then of course we'll be back the Friday after that to talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix and once again if you like what we do if you love our show please give us a rating on Spotify and if you listen on Apple if you could give us a rating and a review it means the world to both of us so with that have a great week and bye for now i feel like a locomotive sipping drinking arizona mixtape just around the corner did a lot in california can't wait to drop this don't you yeah they gonna have fun with that smash like song them and my song's gonna break through like a running back